Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Welcome to church, everybody. It's so good to be with you. I don't even know where that came from, Mason. Where'd, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, that, that's what happens when the band comes up with ideas. So anyway, hey, we're welcome. Uh, welcome to ACF. If you're new, we're just so glad that you're with us. If you're online, thank you for being part of our family. And uh, yeah, it's not 80s morning at ACF. I was just thinking, man, it, shouldn't church be fun? I mean, come on. I mean, the church should, I actually had somebody uh, years ago say, Brian, I feel like uh, you're just having too much fun in church. And with the most compassionate tone I could come up with, I said, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Church should be the funnest place. And there is a tendency, right, to get really religious and forget that God is the creator of fun. And he, he created joy and laughter. And, and uh, if you get too religious, what happens is that you end up taking yourself too seriously and God not seriously enough. That's just what religion does. And so I don't know. Um, we're in a rebuilding season. Uh, many of you have, I just met a couple over here who is like, they've never been here before. They're just, you guys are from Tennessee, right? So yeah, welcome them from Tennessee. We're glad that you're with us. I'm sorry. You're probably never coming back now. And I won't embarrass everybody that I meet on Sunday morning, but I'm just, God is doing incredible things in uh, our church in the state of Alaska and around the world right now. And uh, I was just thinking, even as we were worshiping and singing Graves into Gardens, God just put on my heart that he, he said, you know, like, uh, I got I to gotta tear some things down to rebuild. And I know that for some of you, this has been a year of tearing down. Um, there's been a lot of dreams that have not uh, fulfilled themselves. I know for many of you, a lot of goals were not met in 2020. Um, for many of you, it was just a disappointing year. You had a graduation that wasn't as planned, maybe a wedding that wasn't as planned, or, or, or a move where you're new to a, Alaska or a new, a new place, and, and you haven't made friends yet, and so um, it's been difficult to make relationships. And I just know that a lot of our expectations are being torn down, but God is creating a beautiful new thing. And I think that in 2021, God is rebuilding the church in some really profound and new ways. Um, he's going to be real, rebuilding our church. And we just said we're going to launch into this 9 a.m. service live here at the building. If you're online, you might not know that we're actually we have people in the room. Maybe you heard them a little bit. Yeah, they're here. So, uh, and we're excited about that. And so we, we just said, you know what, we're actually treating our church like a church plant. Um, when I showed up here to Alaska about 11 years ago, there were 30 people sitting in this room, and that was ACF Church. And uh, we have obviously uh, grown a lot over the years, and I've seen God do some incredible things, but um, we don't want to assume anything on God, and we don't want to assume anything on you. And so really, here's the deal. We are in this together. We say this a lot. It's on the wall as you come into the building, um, because this is your church, okay? So the future of ACF, it's not on me. It's not on the staff. It's on us as a community owning the mission that God has given given us as a people to go into the nations, and if anything, go across the street and, uh, and reach our neighbors with the gospel. And so um, I just want you to know that um, we are doing this together, and, and uh, in this next season, I just want you to lean in hard, right? Like, uh, like maybe you've been out of rhythm with church. Make this your weekly rhythm, right? Uh, I just want you to consider talking with friends and leaning into relationships and, and going deeper than just talking about the coronavirus. Can we just talk about something else, right? Uh, I'm sick of it, right? 
So can we just talk about some deeper things that are going on and get to know each other better and even move it into the spiritual realm and, and just develop those friendships and, and maybe those people will come to church at some point. But honestly, um, I just feel like for me as a pastor, it's been a hard and really good season. Um, 2020 was, was hard, but God has done some really good work in, in my heart. And so more than ever, I just feel called to, to get up here and preach the gospel and, and let you make the decision that you're going to make with it, okay? So you walked in here, and, and I don't know where you're at um, with God or with the church or with any of this stuff, but I just, I want you to know, I promise you that God wants to show up in your life today. And he has something for you if you're willing to receive it. And so I want to actually start before we get into this text here today and, and talking through this series that we've got uh, called Never Alone. Um, I want to talk about some, some rules of engagement for ACF because, again, we're just kind of rebuilding as a church. And you might be like, I don't know what kind of church this is. I don't know what to do. Like, is this like a hands-raising church, right? Is this like I need to sit here kind of quiet church? Is this like an amen the preacher church, which it is. It's an amen the preacher church. Uh, that helps me out a lot. And so I want to give you three things, okay? Three things real quick uh, for you. When you show up to church, we're going to go over these multiple times, but this is kind of our rules of engagement. The first thing is we bring our best, okay? When we come to ACF, I want you to show up and bring your best. We expect God to show up, uh, but, but do we show up, okay? So uh, you might be here physically, but your mind's in Monday, and I get that. I get the tension of, like, you got stuff coming at you. you got kids maybe that you're worried about that are in ACF kids. They're okay. Uh, trust me. Our kids' workers are incredible. They are loving your kids right now. So just relax and bring your best. The next thing is this. We believe that God has something for us. I want you to know this. You have a next step to take. There's something God has for you today that he has been dying to tell you if you'd be willing to listen. And so that's one thing. So we bring our best to church. We believe God has something for us. And then the third thing is we break the fourth wall, which means that we make it real. Okay, so none of this matters. If you go to church and you get your little kind of Jesus shot in the arm, your injection of Jesus, and you leave here and nothing changes, right? This only matters if we take this home into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces. And so we don't want to be like a reality TV show, right, where, where it's just this guy on the stage stands saying stuff and, and nothing really changes our lives. We want to take the text, take the scriptures, take what God has impressed on our hearts and take it into the city and again to the world. And so these are three things I want you to keep in mind as you're at church. So this is what you're expected to do when you come here, right? And, and even, again, if, if you are not a Christian, this is for you as well, right? I mean, show up and, and bring your best to God. And I just promise you, he will speak to you today. And so um, we are going into a brand new series here today. I'm so excited about it called Never Alone. We just sang a little 80s, right? Here I go again on my own. And I don't know what your life has been like, but um, for many of us, it's been a very isolating season. And many people have felt very lonely over the past year. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I would guess that for, for some of you, um, 2020 was the loneliest year of your life. In fact, I've got some statistics for you. Um, in 2020, let's put that one up, uh, we've seen a 93% increase of people seeking help for anxiety. This has been an, a big issue. So mental health, mental illness, let's put that next one up. In 2020, 70% of people who were screened said one of the top three things contributing to their mental health concerns was loneliness, right? So many of you have felt anxiety, and that anxiety has come from a loneliness that's deep inside of our souls. Let's put this next one up. Loneliness 
is found to be as dangerous to one's health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It can lead to dementia, Alzheimer's, heart disease, a weakened immune system, and a shorter lifespan. So I'm literally, I'm trying to save your life here today, talking about loneliness, right? This is a really big deal. Feeling alone can affect us on a, on a physical level, on an emotional level, on a mental level. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about five different ways that we are alone. And we're going to talk about the good ways that that can work out in our lives and some of the unhealthy ways that it can work out in our lives. We're going to talk about being alone in temptation, if over the past year you've thought, am I the only one that's tempted in this way um, and felt alone in that, we're going to talk about being alone with, with God himself, which is sometimes a scary place to, to be, right? When you're just, it's just you and God, and, and what happens when the creator of the universe has a moment with you and speaks to you, and there's a fear there sometimes. We're going to talk about being alone in the darkness of our minds. We're going to talk about mental health a little bit, because in Alaska, I don't know if you know this, but uh, this is one of the most depressing times of the year uh, for many Alaskans. It's dark outside, so we're going to discuss some of those issues, and then we're going to talk about being alone with kids, parents in the room. You have a community around you. That's why we exist. But sometimes we're just like, man, does anybody else's kids, do they, do they act like this? Do they, uh, you know, do the things my kids do? And so many times I know as a parent, I've just felt very alone in my struggles as a parent. And so today I've entitled Alone in Babylon. Alone in Babylon. What does that mean to be alone in a culture that rejects God. And the big idea of the series, we're going to keep coming back to this one statement, and it's just this. Sometimes life is lonely, but we are never alone as we walk faithfully with God. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. You are not alone today. God, you've never suffered alone. You've never struggled alone. You never walked through a pandemic alone. God has always walked with you, whether you have felt his presence or not. If you have a Bible, I want you to open up to the book of Daniel. We're going to be kind of doing a flyover. It's going to be really fast. I don't know if I'm even going to get to all my notes. And so, Jen, just keep up with me as best you can here. So, I just got lots of things on my heart here today. But Daniel is this young Jewish man who manages to faithfully walk with God in a world, in a culture called Babylon that is unfaithful and, and does not acknowledge the presence of the God that we worship. And uh, you can actually read more about Babylon in 2 Kings and how uh, Babylon overthrew uh, the, the people of God. And the Bible uses this image of Babylon. For, it's like a metaphor for two specific things throughout the scriptures. The first is this, that Babylon represents this earthly world. And so it represents the culture that we live in, the world that we live in, and the tendencies of the people around us uh, toward other things of, uh, not of God in this, in this world. And so there's this other metaphor called the kingdom of heaven that we see throughout the scriptures as well. And that's the world to come. So two metaphors, this earthly world and the world to come. And so what I want to say today is that in this room, you are living in one of these two kingdoms. You, you are living and operating by either by a kingdom or a worldview of Babylon or a worldview of the kingdom of heaven. You're either living for this world or you're living for the world to come. 
And so this is the reality, and, and, and this is something that even over the past nine months and over the past year that has been right in our faces as the culture has made a lot of different shifts. And, and you can actually probably look at your friends and go, okay, this person is living in Babylon, and they love Babylon. They love the, the kingdom of this world, and so they are fully entrenched in the things of this world. Other people, you can tell, man, they're living for this next world, right? They're living for the next life, and so their, their perspective on everything they do is a perspective of this world to come. And so, once again, Daniel is this guy, and so um, he, he is captured um, by the Babylonians and put into slavery. What they did is they got the, the most beautiful and talented people, and they enslaved them. And these servants, these slaves, were taken um, 500 miles from Jerusalem to Babylon, um, which is actually modern-day Iraq, if you don't know where um, this actually is on a map. It's modern-day Iraq. And what they were done, what happened is they were put into school um, for three years to learn the ways of Babylon. And so they were literally put into like Babylonian school to be taught what, it, what it's like to think as a Babylonian, to act as a Babylonian, to speak as a Babylonian. And, and many of you uh, maybe feel like that sometimes, like, like the world around you is doing everything it can to indoctrinate you with a certain worldview that if you're a believer in Jesus is not compatible with your worldview. And so this is something we have to understand. The, the Babylonian worldview is completely incompatible with the kingdom of heaven worldview. And so they would have learned these demonic customs. They would have studied the language. Um, they would have been certified as enchanters and experts in the occult. Again, I know we're pretty hard on the school system of today, but this is another level, okay? Some of you are like, man, maybe that is the... Po- it's not, this is... We are not living in, in Babylon the way that they did, okay? So as much as I'm kind of drawing a, a connection here to the world we live in, um, this is another level of, of, of worldliness. This is another level of temptation away from the things of God. And so again, Daniel was taken away. One of the things that happened is uh, they were turned into eunuchs um, as they were taken away. This is something, again, I know 2020 has been hard, right? But this is another level you can... Google that later, I guess. Maybe be careful Googling eunuchs. But anyway, this is something that they were taken away. And this, this was actually done to them to keep them from uh, being a threat to the king's harem of women. And so uh, these guys were taken away, turned into eunuchs, indoctrinated with a Babylonian worldview. Okay? So this is a hard life. This is difficult. We have it hard, but I just want you to know this is another, another level of hard. And so we're introduced to Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what we see is that their names actually get changed uh, to actually be named after Babylonian gods. And so they want them to, to have nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven. The Babylonians want them to have nothing to do with this Jewish God and everything to do with their Babylonian gods. And so Daniel's name is changed to Belteshazzar, but his name Daniel actually literally means God is my judge. And this is really cool to think about that like in his mind and in his name is this reality that ultimately the culture is not his judge. The Babylonians are not his judge. King Nebuchadnezzar is not his judge. Ultimately, God is his judge. And I, even in his name, as I was reading through this story this week, I was challenged because I think so often we, we, are, we are in so much fear of the judgment of others that we don't fear God's judgment enough. 
I mean, we need to be honest and understand that God sees us and, and sees what we do in the light and what we do in the darkness. And so even the church, we can find ourselves trying to seek the approval of Bab- Babylon, the approval of the Babylonians, and not the approval of God. And so we can start to kind of mix and match what we do and what we talk about. And even in the church, there's a temptation away from the truth, the hard truths of the gospel, and toward the things of this world. And so um, there are things that are trendy to talk about. Even in the church, right, it's trendy to talk about racial inequality right now, which is an important topic. It's trendy to talk about social justice in the world around us, another important topic. It's trendy to talk about having doubts because we've all had doubts. And so it's easy to talk about these things. It's not so popular to talk about sacrifice, sharing the gospel, tithing, commitment to marriage, sexual purity, these things that the Bible does talk about, but let's just kind of veer over here towards the things things that the world may not judge us so harshly for discussing. And so I just want you to know this. Like, we are a Bible-centered church that's going to keep coming back to the Scriptures even when it hurts, okay? Even when it's difficult, even when it challenges us, even when it offends us. And so, again, like, we're going to have fun in church. If you don't know what we do, we want to, we want to laugh together. We want to have fun together. I want to make sure that you don't walk away from God for the wrong reasons, you know, I, I, I don't want you to walk away from the church and be like, I'm never going back because it just was boring, right? The, the good news should never be boring, right? Jesus is never boring. And so if you're offended today, I want you offended by the gospel more than being offended by simply us, you know, not presenting it or doing things in a way that's, that's actually engaging. So because we, we really believe that this is the most important message that you could ever hear, and that what we share every single week can, can literally change your life. And it is offensive if you hear it for what it is. It will challenge you. Uh, we just see that Jesus got crucified for a reason, right? It wasn't because he was tickling their ears. And, and Paul even tells Timothy, his young apprentice, hey, there's going to come a day where people People will only listen to the things that tickle their ears, right? They're only going to listen to the things that make them feel good, and they will not put up with sound doctrine, and that is the world that we live in. And so I just want you to know, this is my promise to you as a pastor. We're not going there. We're just going to keep coming back to what does the Bible say about life here in Babylon, and we're just going to preach the gospel over and over again, no matter how uncomfortable it is. Like there's topics like hell, right? Hell is uncomfortable to talk about. And there's people that are preaching that there is no hell and, and that like everybody, uh, everybody ends up going to heaven no matter what you do. And, and so a loving God would never allow people to spend eternity in hell. And I just, I read the Bible and I, I don't see that in there. I got to be real with you. There is an eternal judgment for all of humanity. It does exist. And I know, once again, that doesn't seem very inclusive but the gospel is, it really is the most inclusive, exclusive belief in the world, right? That God wants everyone to be in his family, but not everyone will choose to be with Jesus, right? And so again, same thing. My, my perspective on hell is I, I, want, I want everybody to know that it exists. And I want for you today, if, if you end up in hell, I want you to go on purpose. Maybe that sounds really bad. I want you to go on purpose. I want you to know that it's there, and I want you to make a decision and go, I don't want Jesus. I want whatever else that I can get. Whatever is coming for me apart from a life of the kingdom of God, I want that. I want you to choose that on purpose. I don't want you to choose it, but I want you to choose it on purpose if you're going to make that decision. So again, it's hard to follow Jesus in this world, amen? 
It's hard to follow Jesus in this culture, and I was actually reading a sermon um, by a man named Martin Luther King Jr., who many of you know of, and he actually, I don't know if you know this, but he preached faithfully for many, many years. We know a few of his words that are really popular, but he was also a pastor and a preacher, and I ran across this sermon that he preached in 1956, and I read it, and I was like, I don't have to write my sermon. He already did it. It speaks so beautifully to this. And so before we get into the the, the story of Daniel, I want to read what he said about living in this culture. And I just want you to take a second. If you need to close your eyes and soak this in, I just feel like this speaks beautifully to the reality of being a believer in Babylon. He says this, I am impelled to write you concerning the responsibilities laid upon you to live as Christians in the midst of an unchristian world. This is what I had to do. This is what every Christian has to do. But I understand that there may be many Christians in America who give their ultimate allegiance to man-made systems and customs. They are afraid to be different. Their great concern is to be accepted socially. They live by some such principles as this. Everybody is doing it, so it must be all right. For so many of you, morality is merely group consensus. It is your modern sociological lingo. The mores are accepted as the right ways. You have unconsciously come to believe that that right is discovered by taking a sort of Gallup poll of the majority opinion. How many are giving their ultimate allegiance to this way? But American Christians, I must say to you, as I said to the Roman Christians years ago, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or as I said to the Philippian Christians, ye are a colony of heaven. This means that although you live in a colony of time, your ultimate allegiance is to the empire of eternity. That's good stuff right there. You have a dual citizenry. You live both in time and eternity, both in heaven and earth. Therefore, your ultimate allegiance is not to the government, not to the state, not to nation, not to any man-made institution. The Christian owes his ultimate allegiance to God. And if any earthly institution conflicts with God's will, it is your Christian duty to take a stand against it. You must never allow the transitory evanescence demands of man-made institutions to take precedence over the eternal demands of the Almighty God. I feel like I could just quit after that, right? That's good stuff. Man, you know, it is difficult to follow Jesus in this world. And so we take little steps, and, and you made it here. And I just want to congratulate you. You made it to church, and this was not easy to show up today. So thank you. Thank you for coming. We did Christmas Eve, right? We did four Christmas Eve gatherings and had well over a 1,000 people came through. And, and people have come up even since then and been like, Brian, that was so good. It's so great. And I just want you to know, at this point as a pastor, I don't put much stock in, in Christmas or Easter. Um, I love it. I enjoy it. But I just know that it's really easy to come to Christmas and Easter. And, and, and I used to feel this big pressure, like if I just said the right thing on Christmas, maybe you would come back on Easter, right? And so you'd go from once a year to twice a year. And, and then maybe maybe, you know, three times a year, and, and there was this, like, kind of, this, this, this pressure as a pastor to, to say the right thing, and, and I just, I just felt like God released me from that. Like, that's just not my job, right? It's to, to try to coax people into coming to church, but once again, the gospel, when it's shared for what it is, I mean, it, it is powerful, and it draws people in, and it is enough, And I would say this, anyone can enjoy a church service, but it takes commitment to be a disciple of Jesus, 
right? Anybody can show up here today, and I hope that uh, wherever you're at, that you're able to hear from God for a moment here today, but it takes commitment to be a disciple. It takes consistency, and I hope that even now as you're looking into 2021 that you're making a mental note of the things that you're going to have to do to have a different year than you had last year. And so I want to I keep moving through this um, because Daniel, once again, he, he's willing to stand up in a culture of Babylon. He's willing to, to follow the ways of God and follow his con- convictions as a Jewish man. And so Daniel 1.8 is where we're going to start off if you want to open that text. But uh, Daniel had this foundation of godly leadership in his life. I mean, he wasn't a self-made man, just like none of us are self-made men or women. Like, we have people that have invested in us and, and, and people that have taught us the ways of God, if you're a believer in Jesus. And so until he was a teenager, he was actually taught the right things, taught the right ways. And so for me, as a, as, a, as, a, as a pastor, I look back at my journey and I see that, like, I was the product of an upbringing. Like, my parents invested in me and brought me to church. In fact, I think my parents, are they here? Mom and dad. There's my mom and dad. Can you give them a hand today? Thanks, mom and dad, for coming. Yeah, mom and thank you for bringing me to church. Seriously. So that's, it wasn't easy. Like they, my parents, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just embarrassing everybody here at church. I have people in front of me and I don't know what to do with it. So you guys brought me to church. You invested in me. You, you taught me the word of God and gave me a foundation that gave me a chance. Gave me a chance to hear the gospel as, as, a, as a teenager and as an adult and to make that decision on my own. And so I want to I thank you um, for loving me that way. And, and so for you as parents, I just want you to know, like, if you brought your kids today, good job. Like, you did that. You invested in them. Because I don't know if you know this, but we live in a world that's, I mean, they are hell-bent on discipling your children. I just want you to know that. The world is hell-bent on discipling your kids. Are you? Like, are you as dedicated to it as, as the makers of the iPhone are, as the people who are putting up, uh, you know, media in Netflix are? Are you as committed to discipling your children as the world is? Because, thank you, preach. <laughs> because Babylon wants your children. I just want you to know that. But God wants them more, okay? And the kingdom wants them more. And so you have a decision to make. Daniel was brought up under godly leadership. He had a chance He was given the best chance possible to be faithful to God underneath this Babylonian empire. It says in Daniel 1.8, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So according to uh, Mosaic law, he couldn't eat certain kinds of food, and he knew this. This is, again, we think of food as such a small thing, right? Right? I mean, I mean, if there are certain kinds of food, if you're a vegan or whatever, and you're like, um, you know, somebody hands you something you don't want to eat, a piece of meat, I mean, would you risk your life to follow your convictions of a meal, right? I mean, you're, some of you are maybe, maybe you would, but for most of us, we would, we would change our diet if it meant life or death, right? Like, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But for Daniel, he, he had such laser focus Um, that he wasn't a a citizen of this world, but he was a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, that he was like, I'm not even going to eat the food that they give me because that's not what I'm supposed to do. 
And what I love about this conviction as he does this is he actually is so respectful to the leadership that he's under. He requests permission not to eat the food. And you can read more of the story. I'd encourage you to do that this afternoon. Just walk through the first three chapters of Daniel. But you see that he doesn't just reject what he's being told to do. He doesn't just create this this rebellion and not talk to the leaders. He actually goes to leaders and says, this is not what I'm convicted to do. Um, I would ask that you would allow us to have like a vegetable-only diet for a little while. And, and after a little while, just come and see if we look healthy and, uh, and maybe it's going to be okay. And so that's exactly what they did. He, he, had to, he respected the leaders. And ultimately, as you read the story, through that respect, it is what turned the heart of the leaders that he was following. But this was the first moment that we read in Daniel where he had to make one of these decisions where he had to make a choice between the way of Babylon or the way of Jesus or the way of God at that point. And and so for you, I would guess there's something for you right now that God is saying, hey, you have a decision to make. Will you make it? Because when you make that decision, I want you to know it's going to be really, really lonely. Like you're going to feel really alone. And and you might be ridiculed for the decisions you make. Your, Your friends, you might lose some friendships for the decisions you make. But I just want you to know you must make that decision. Whatever that is today, that thing that is so culturally unaccepted right now that you need to do because you're a follower of Jesus. I want you to know this. If you don't feel alone in Babylon, sometimes you just might be a Babylonian. Like, like you need to feel alone in Babylon. There needs to be moments where you're just like, I feel so alone in this world, and that's a good thing. That's a really, really good thing. If you don't feel alone in this world, if you feel like you fit right in in Babylon, it might be because you're a Babylonian, right? It might be because you are living for the kingdom of this world. 1 Peter 2, 11 says this. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. That's a good word, right? Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. That's powerful, right? As you live an exemplary life, as you, as you love others well and are so respectful to the leadership that you're under, you can still uh, resist the things of this world and be respectful. Do you know that? You can respectfully resist the ways of this, earl, this world. It says, then there'll be one over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. I love that. So through your faithfulness to God and willingness to do the right thing, people will be won over to the ways of Jesus and ultimately, hopefully, won over to God himself. So I want to give you just a few things. How did Daniel stay faithful in a world that rejected God, in a culture that rejected God? Daniel 6.10 says, He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So what we see, if you want to write this down first, they had a habit of prayer. Daniel and his friends, they had this habit and this routine of prayer in their life. I don't know if you prayed yet today. I hope, hope that you did. I don't know if maybe you opened the word of God today or if you're like, well, Pastor Brian's going to do it. I don't have to do that on Sundays, right? Uh, no, no, no. You need to do it every day. Uh, I, I start off my day by, by just getting into the word of God on Sunday mornings before I get into the text for today. And that's what we have to do to make it In Babylon, that's what we have to do to make it in a world that rejects God is to have a routine of prayer. And I just want to help you out. If you're um, not from a liturgical church background, um, you've probably rejected anything in your life that feels like routine. 
And I just want you to know that routines can be really, really good. That for, for me, I have to create habits of holiness in my life, habits of prayer in my life. It doesn't happen naturally. And so if you want to overcome temptation and make decisions that sometimes feel lonely for the right reasons, you need to be somebody who is constantly connected to God. Make it a routine. Make it a time of your day. Pick a place and pick a location just like it's this chair in the living room. It's at 6 a.m. every single day. It's for 30 minutes or 10 minutes. Start with five minutes. I don't care what it is. But start your day with a connection to God. They had a habit of prayer. They, they trained their hearts in the things of God by making a routine of prayer in their life. I want you to know for us as a church, prayer is not our last-ditch effort. It is our first line of defense in a world that wants to tempt us and walk us away from the things of God. And so we read another part of this book where Nebuchadnezzar actually has this dream, and um, he, he wants Daniel to interpret the dream, um, or actually says that they'll be killed. And it says this in Daniel 2, 17. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. And so he's actually asking his friends to pray for him because he knows that if he isn't able to explain this dream to the king, he could be killed. And so Daniel has this community around him who's actually praying for him, praying with him for the things that he's dealing with. You guys need that. It's why we actually have the little scan code at the church here so you can ask for prayer. We see those. Every single prayer, we see it. I see it. Our team sees it. We want to be praying for you. It is our first line of defense. Second thing Daniel and his friends did first, uh, it says they, they had friends who were friends with God. I love this. So first they were people of prayer. The second thing is they had friends who were friends with God. So take a survey of your life. Do you have friends that love Jesus? Do you have friends that actually want to follow the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of Babylon? Do you have friends that will get on their faces to, to pray for you and just plead with God for you and for the things that you're struggling with? Do you have friends that will get in your face when you're just blowing it, right? Like that, For me, that's such a big deal. I have men in my life who will con con uh, confront me if I'm dealing with something or, or going down the wrong path. And so I need that because I'm a human being like you are, and I know that I can be tempted and be self-deceived. And so um, Daniel and these guys, they had friends who were friends with God. They knew they had to surround themselves with people who had a similar worldview and perspective on their life. And here's the thing. Um, go to John 17, 15. It says this. I love what Jesus says about having friends and, and being in this world. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And so once you have friends that are friends with God, you will have everything you need then to be in relationships with people who are friends of Babylon, people who want to live in this world and indulge in this culture. And so here's my challenge to you as a church in 2021, is that you would infiltrate, don't isolate. Don't isolate. Make friends with people who are friends with God and then infiltrate the culture because Jesus' prayer isn't that God would take us as Christians out of the world, but he, he would protect us from the evil one right in this world. Yes, amen. Third thing, third thing that they had. They had conviction stronger than the culture. 
So first they were, they were in prayer consistently in their life. They had friends who were friends with God. And the third is this, they actually believed what they said they believed. And this was essential to them choosing the right thing and resisting the ways of Babylon. In fact, in Daniel 3, we read about how some of the Jews won't bow down to, uh, to the idols that Nebuchadnezzar had created. And, and, and this was interesting as I was reading this. It occurred to me that, that, that they were part of a small segment of Jewish people who would not bow down. That there were other Jews who were bowing down to the idols. There were other Jews who were eating the food that was unclean to them. And so even within the church, you may find yourself a little bit of an outlier. You might find yourself where, where the Christians, the people who say they're Christians, are doing things that you're like, man, I, I just don't see that that's the way of God. I don't see that that's the thing that I should do, right? In fact, I remember, uh, it was probably last year sometime, a couple came up to me. I was preaching a sermon. This is in my notes. I probably shouldn't go there, but I'm going to go there. So I was preaching a sermon just about all the temptations of this world and the ways of this world. And, and one of the things that's consistent in this world is that you live together before you get married, okay? So that's a very consistent thing that, that you, you actually got to kind of try to drive the car, test drive the car before you buy it, right? And, and so I was speaking about how this is not the way of God, right? You don't drive the car before you buy it, right? That's, that's called stealing. That's stealing the car. Uh, it's not yours to, to drive. And so I'm not going to go there. But anyway, so this couple came up to me and they were like, Brian, this was, we had never even considered this because all of our Christian friends are living together. They're sleeping together. They're test driving the car. And so they were like, we, it just had never occurred to us that the Christians were not following the, the ways of God. And so they were like, we're, we want to get married. Like, let's just do this. And I was like, amen, get married. And so we set them up to get married because they, it just clicked in their minds that they needed to be alone in their decision. They needed to do something that was just so countercultural and, and commit to the relationship, right? And say, this is really what love is, is to, to make a commitment. And so you're going to feel that way in a thousand different ways. And once again, if you don't feel alone in Babylon sometimes, you might be a Babylonian. But back to Daniel. They were so convicted. They wouldn't bow down to the idols. And so if you know the story, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he, he uh, throws some fuel in the, in the furnace. And he, he, he says, stoke it up just so hot that it's just going to incinerate anything that gets near it. And so, in fact, some of the men who were putting some of the, the supplies into the, into the fire, the fuel in the fire, they actually burned up and died. So he said, hey, hey, stoke up the fire and then burn these men, these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace because they will not bow down to my idol. And let's read in verse 13 of chapter 3. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you, will, that you have set up. So for them, they go to the king and they say, King, we're not going to do what you say we should do. And we know that we worship the God that can deliver us. But Listen, if he does not deliver us, if we end up dying in this flame, he says, we will not serve your gods. And I love this conviction, right? It's like if the whole world was bowing down to your idols, King Nebuchadnezzar, we wouldn't do it. Because we know our God, we know our convictions, and so we're not going to justify our behavior. And once again, I was just so blown away by this reality, like to bow down, is that that big of a deal? 
Like, I'm thinking, would I, would I give up my life for this? Because I would probably make some excuse in my mind. Well, I'm bowing with my body, but not in my heart, right? I would say something like that. I'm not bowing in my heart, so it doesn't count. But I'm not going to die for this, right? I'm not going to die because I'm just not going to bow down to some idol. But they understood that this was a, this was a shift that was happening, and that these other Jews were walking away from commitment to God. And, and so they knew that every, every little thing made the difference. And I want you to know the little things are where the battle is fought and won or lost in your life. It's all those little decisions that you make, those little compromises that make all the difference. And, and you make little compromise after little compromise, and before you know it, you are a citizen of Babylon and not the kingdom of heaven. Let's finish up the story. Verse 24 says this, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. And so if you, once again, if you know this story, they get tossed into the fire, the, the guards are burned up, and then all of a sudden they look into the fire, and these three men are standing there, also with a fourth who most scholars believe is Jesus himself, an angel of God walking with them in the fire. So I want you to think for a moment. Have you felt alone in your convictions? Have you felt alone in the past year? And, and maybe you've done whatever it took, even compromised what you know is right so that you could feel like you're not alone. Here's the good news, is the temptation is so strong, but Jesus is stronger. I want you to know that. The temptation is so strong. We're going to talk about that next week. How do we come up under the temptations of this world? Because there are so many of them. And it's, it's the belief that Jesus is stronger than your temptations. And he wants to meet with you and be with you in the fire itself. Again, if you're feeling tempted, if you're feeling like, man, the fire is kind of hot for me right now, it may mean that this is an opportunity to see the presence of God in your life like you've never seen him before. I love that moment. I love that Jesus shows up in the fire like in the fire, like right in the midst of the hardest moment of their entire lives, that's where Jesus shows up. That's what he loves to do. I love that John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Can you say this part with me? I have overcome the world. I love that. So here's what you need to know is that it's not your job to overthrow Babylon. I mean, we want to resist it, right? We want to do what we can to influence it, but ultimately, it's not your job to overthrow Babylon, to, to, to overcome and, and beat all the sin in your life. It's your job to worship the God who already did. That's our call as God's people, is to just get on our faces and say, God, I'm not strong enough for this. I don't know what to do sometimes. I feel tempted to go over here and to compromise my convictions, but God, I know what you say is right over here. So God, would you give me a strength that I don't have to choose the way of your kingdom and live for the next life and not just for this one? And so I want to give you a chance here for, for the next moment here. On your seat was a little card, um, or actually it was an was a insert, if you want to grab that. Um, and online, you're going to see a QR code if you're joining us online. And on the back here is uh, this little uh, action step. You can tear this off. It's kind of fun. You can perforate it. So you can tear that off and grab a pen. 
And we're going to do this consistently as a church for a little while because, again, we're going to break the fourth wall, make it real. What's our next step? And so I want you to tear this off, and then I want you just to, to check a box. I don't know what your next step is. Maybe today it's, it's literally just to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You're like, honestly, I'm a Babylonian. I come to church. I'm in an outpost. I got a Bible, but I live for the world. If that's you today, maybe you just need to make that commitment. Maybe you need to get baptized here at the end of the month. We're going to have a baptism week. We're going to have the, the, the tank on the stage, and, and we're going to baptize some people, which we're so excited about. Yeah, absolutely. And if that's you, we would love to baptize you. And again, baptism is powerful. Like, there's a reason that, that, that this was created. Like, you, you go under the water, and you are completely immersed in it, right? We don't baptize part of you. We baptize all of you, right? Because that's what it means to follow Jesus, is to be a, a citizen of heaven, right? All of you, to give your whole life to him. That's what we're talking about today. So maybe you're like, man, I want to go public with my faith. Because I want you to know, if you're a believer in Jesus and you have not been baptized, that is your very first step of obedience. I don't care if you said you were a Christian when you are 13 and you're 50. I don't care what season of life you're in. We want to baptize you. And maybe it's to commit to praying daily this week. And you're like, okay, that's what I need, Okay. I got to start my day off in the right mindset because I just, I roll out of bed at the last minute, right? I got trying to get food, you know, to the kids and get to work. And by the time it's like 9 a.m., I'm already living in Babylon, right? Like my mind is in Babylon. And so I need, I need Jesus to, to help me with that. Or maybe for you, you, you need to find an ACF group or an outpost to join because you need some friends who are friends with God. Because honestly, like you're not really known by people who love Jesus, you're not allowing yourself to be known by people who love Jesus. And so you're just in a really uh, precarious place um, in this, this culture that just want, they want to steal you away from the things of God. And so check that box for a moment and just give us uh, some information. We're not going to spam you, but we're just going to text you this week and uh, give you a little encouragement on the next step that you're taking. We would love to do that. If you're online, once again, scan that code and we want to get um, back with you on how to take a next step this week as well. Um, but I want to just pray together here. And you can actually drop these in the basket on the way out of church here today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have overcome the world. And God, that it's not our job to, uh, to overcome our sin. That's what you, why you came. You came to overcome sin. God, we simply submit to your power. God, without the work of your spirit, um, we know that we cannot choose things that are good. God, because our hearts, they're, uh, they're evil. They're, they're prone to wander, God. We know that our hearts are drawn to things that are not of you. And that uh, without your spirit working and your guidance, we, uh, we will always wander away from the kingdom of heaven. So Father, we commit our hearts to you, God, and just we can't believe that you love us for who we are. God, you, you know us and you still love us. That's just incredible. So Father, I want to pray for us as a church community that we could receive that love in a fresh new way this year. God, that your love would be the driving force behind all the change that we want to make in our lives, in our, in our homes, in our workplaces. So God, thank you so much for your grace upon us. Thank you that your grace is always greater than our temptations. It's greater than our sin. Thank you that you love us amidst our failures. God, we've, we've blown it in some big ways this past year. And God, you, you, uh, you promise us a brand new start every single day. Your graces and your mercy is new every single morning. And so, God, today is a brand new day for us. Father, I pray for our church. We, uh, God, we just trust you with this community. 
We trust that uh, this is your church. And uh, God, that you, you have a future in mind for us as a people. And God, would you just draw the best out of us this week? And um, God, could we be your family together this week? Could we truly love each other and love the world like you do this week? God, could we break the fourth wall and make this stuff real and really go into the world and be agents of grace to a graceless culture? We love you, Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.